I've not been able to record with that. Would have recorded yesterday, but um, MCN did their thing. Network was really <laughs> bad yesterday, so we could not record. Um, good evening, precious. Yeah, good evening, Chinese. I can hear. Is there, is there a generator on here? You're a fan or something? I can hear a crashing sound. Oh, a crashing sound. Yeah, like um, there's a fan turning. There's a wheel turning. Is it better now? Yeah, it's better. Okay. Okay, um, yeah. today we'll talk about... Uh, I did not send you UCL game, by the way. I watched um, Milan versus... Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. And then I watched the first half of Dortmund versus PSG. I was not impressed I was not impressed with the game, so I just I kind of left it. And but I've, I've, you know, it's it's a very interesting group, you know. But we can just go through the results and then do the main analysis. That's for Manchester United and Chelsea. Okay, so Champions League results. Um, the biggest winners for today were Barcelona, of course. Five nil win. Yeah, Felix scored two goals and had an assist in another player of the match performance. Um, United won Celtic two goals to nil. Celtic had two red cards. Lazio and Atletico Madrid played out a one all draw. Lazio scored in the 95th minute and it was the goalkeeper that scored that goal. Um, wow, Newcastle, as we have said, um, ended nil nil. PSG and Borussia Dortmund, PSG won Dortmund 2 0. Goals from Kylian Mbappe and Ashraf Hakimi. Um, young boys and RB Leipzig, young boys won that game. Goals to lost one. that game. <laughs> Sorry, um, I believe they won that game. Won. Um, Benjamin Serko scored, of course. Um, Javishimons has been having a really good season. No goal contribution today, but he's been having a really good season. Won Krevnas Vesda. <laughs> Three goals to one. Goals from Julian Alvarez and Rodrigo. So, Julian Alvarez got a brace and Rodrigo also scored in that by the Champions League um, score lines for today. Um, tomorrow, we have games again in um, matches in the Champions League for tomorrow. Um, Galatasaray play Copenhagen. Mm, yeah. Real Madrid play Union Berlin. Wait, hold on. Oi. It's United, Galatasaray, Bayern, and Copenhagen, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, Bayern take on I know United. Galatasaray is in our group. Yeah. Bayern take on United by 8 p.m. So, the games for 5.45 p.m. Um, Galatasaray, Copenhagen, um, Real Madrid, and FC Union Berlin also play by 5.45 tomorrow evening. Then Bayern United by 8, Arsenal, PSV, Eindhoven. It, this fixture was very interesting in the Europa League last season. It's a shame I will not be watching it because, of course, I watch United. But if United were not playing out, I've watched this fixture. Very interesting fixture last season. Um, Sevilla play against Lens. Sporting Braga play against Napoli. Benfica play Red, Red Bull Salzburg. And Real Sociedad take on Inter. 
all of the other games except the games against except the games involving Real Madrid and um, Galatasaray are for eight PM. Yeah. All right, now to the very interesting. The matter that we have to discuss for today. Um, so yeah, we should probably start from Chelsea because United is always a very long conversation. Yeah. So we are here to analyze like the situation at the two clubs, and you know, try to draw references to the recent performances, right? So mm-hmm. we'll be starting with Chelsea, like Chinese said, and then. We'll round up with Manchester United. We we'll try to keep the episode as short as possible, with as short and rich as possible as we can make it. So, starting with Chelsea, I think, you know, uh, I don't know the transfer strategy. I've never been comfortable with it. Yeah, we've right. Been, because I've, I've also been very vocal about my my dissatisfaction with. They are try- they are- I mean, they've done transfer business. They just haven't followed the proper strategy. Yeah, because you know you can't just you can't just buy you know players with a lot of potential, and then hope that you know they would they will come together to give you what you want. Now, like if you do it on a small scale, you might get one or two exceptional players you get into your squad. But when you when you make it a full blown effort, right, then you really have to be patient. And that's something that I know that Chelsea fans will not like to hear, right? That this season might also be gone because of the same strategy they lose last season. At a at a top club you have to give results. So there, there there simply has to be a balance. Now I'm going to come to the point where I think Chelsea signed um, two very good midfielders, Melavia and Moses Caicedo. Yeah, but at the top club, you have you just have to have proven players because people expect immediate results, and of course you have to do it for the future. So this does not mean that you will not sign players potential. Now, um, Caicedo is not even up to twenty-five. You know, already a very good player. That signing and same with Lavia. Good player, yeah. maybe not, maybe not, not, not as good as Kaiser, but still good. In the left, they made Nicholas Jackson largely unproven. Um, Jackson has well, I mean, it's Haaland who has missed the most big chances this season in the Premier League, but Jackson has missed six as well. Jackson has missed six big chances in five games. But the difference now is that Haaland is actually scoring goals. Haaland has, I think, seven or nine Premier League goals. One of them, Jackson has one, you know. That's, that, that's yeah, and then to put it into into reference, like the big chances he missed, most of them came in the last game, right? Yeah, Haaland, so, Haaland missed five in the last game. Yeah, so and, and he also and, scored in that last game. Yeah. So. So yeah, there is that, and then um, Chelsea. I I think Nkunku improves that team a lot, and it's sad that um, nobody predicts that injuries will happen to their squad. Yeah, but I I think um Caicedo, Lavia. Nkunku, very good signing. And yes, they were trying to record, but um, that's what was so bad. We talked about the fact that Chelsea don't have a recognized striker. Now, Jackson is a striker. I think I talked about how Jackson is not target man. You know, Jackson, I mean, in the game he scored, I was frustrated at him, yeah, because I had him on my field team. And 
I watched him do everything but score in that game. He finally scored, yeah, which was good. But I watched him do everything but score in that game. He was moving around, running around, linking up play, passing, everything, beautiful runs, chance creation. But he was not in the box to put the ball in the back of the nets. Yeah. So, I've... um. That that's about Jackson, right? And Jackson, you know, you can you can put that on the fact that he has played at the top level like only in two striker systems, right? And yeah, from Villarreal, you know, Villarreal played two strikers up front, mm-hmm. so he's not he's not used to being the focal point, right? I and I think I think he he also holds up the play well, right? He does that, but. He does not seem to be a killer, right? That's what I would say. Like, he doesn't have that killer instinct. And when it comes to, you know, you know, operations in the box, right? Now, I would not say, I cannot, I cannot attribute Chelsea's problems to only injuries, right? Because Nkunku was injured before the end of the transfer window. And Todd Boli decided to buy Palmer. <laughs> right, so it's not a matter of you know, uh, you know what happened, you know, unexpected. That that wasn't that wasn't the case. It was a case of you decided that you did not need a striker. Now I've heard talk about you know they are backing people like Broha at the club, you know, to finally come good and and play in that position, and then. But Bro it has to be clearly said. Yeah, it has to be clearly said that Goku is not even a striker, right? And in as much as he can play in that position, you're likely to encounter the same issues like we're having with Jackson. We're having with Jackson, yes. Right. So, because Goku is a guy that you know he scores goals playing off a striker, right? And even when he plays in a striker role, it's usually a free role, right? Where in some scenarios or like, you know, he, he vacates the space of the number nine and then plays, you know, wherever he, he thinks has the best chances, right? So, but in a possession-based game, right, you can't have, you can't just have people that are good on the ball. Chelsea play really good football. I think the top of the league in chances created so far this season, right? Now, that means that a lot of, a lot of their game they have it going well, right? But then the individuals they need they need to step up, right? And I feel like it's it's a situation where there is no there's nobody leading by example in attack. Do you understand me? Mm-hmm. Right? If that that is the role of a striker, right? To me, you know, you take you take it by the neck and then, you know, you just, you lead by the quality of your striking. And in return, that raises the level of everyone around you, right? Once you're able to do that, it just raises the level of everyone else around you. And then, you can't really blame these players. Most of them are very young, right? And, you know, finishing is something that you become more consistent with, with age, Right, mm-hmm. we saw like one of the very one of the like the most acute peaks in a player like 
bail, right? Where all of a sudden he just got into that age where, you know, he really became good with his shooting, right? His striking of the ball. Now, we saw stuff like that with Hurricane also, for example, right? And then the more he matured, the more he could he could be able to do that more consistently. Now, even Osim Hen, right? For example, right? When he was 21, you know, he could score goals, but he wasn't as deadly as he is right now. So, in as much as they're trying to do, like, a youth-based strategy, there has to be there has to be a point where you just you go and buy a number nine, right? Somebody that is going to come in with some pride and, you know, a chip on his shoulder and then just, you know, take the ball, play the penalties, you know, and be a nuisance in the box, right? And at this point, I think they should have started maybe giving chances to even David Washington, right? Because... What do you have to lose? Like, most of these games, they've been in a lot of control, right? So, they don't need more control, right? What they need is goals, right? So, in the last game, they, tried, they didn't start too well. They played um, an, an orthodox winger in uh, Mudrik, right? They also created chances, but still, that, that pedigree was missing. So... I just feel like at this point, I don't know what the solution I don't think they are going to have a very good season. I think Gunko will be back. But regardless, I don't think they will have a very good season. Unless they do something in January. But which... do you think, like, um, question eight, even the players that should be stepping up, for example, Raheem Sterling, we have seen glimpses, but um, we've not seen him step up. You know, I think he is the best player in terms of quality. Yeah, at the moment. Particularly good, the, um, last season, this season. Um, there, the, I think there's a problem with players stepping up, and that's a really huge problem because it's not just um, in attack. You know, this thing goes around the whole team. Where I, I, I really just hope for their sake that Chelsea have a good season, but I don't. See, I just don't see because I mean, like I've said, the only place they have improved significantly is the midfield. You know, you're not seeing their defense and saying, "Oh, yeah, these guys, we will at least when we're not playing very well, we can hold on to games and you know pick up a draw or win games by narrow margins." Because to win games by narrow margins, you have to score, and the attackers are not firing. I don't know why they're not firing. I don't know if they're going to fire, but I don't think there are any difference in defense and midfield, and that's that's very that's a very, really really a top club anyway. Let's see what happens with Chelsea. Yeah, I think for all of Sterling's quality, I think he has been creating a lot of chances this season also, right? But, you know, he's not that guy that is going to, you know, take matters into his own hands, right? And and do something. He will try to create instead. At least that's the role he's been playing so far this season. right? And it's just been, it's just been five games, right? But that's the role he has played predominantly over these five games, right? And he's been very good in many phases of the game, right? But he's not that guy, right? He's not that number nine. A number nine gives the team a lot of confidence, you know? And it doesn't, it doesn't really have to be a number nine, per se, right? But just a player in that team that will take the responsibility, 
right? And, you know, have a standard. You know, I think for for Liverpool, I think that's Salah, right? He's not the number nine, but he's the guy with the chip, right? Yeah, On that, his shoulder, he's, that was, he's that the was guy that will force the Rizu, issue. Um, Rezu Rahim yeah. telling yeah. You yeah. are the best player on that team. You should be stepping up in these moments. Yeah, but I don't think he will. I don't think... I think he's very good in many aspects of the game, but his shooting technique is not great, right? At least not consistently. He, I think he he played this free kick in the last game that he struck the bar and struck the line and came out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. can be brilliant, right? But he is not brilliant technically, consistently, right? He can't do it now, do it, you know, the next shot, the other one, because there was a chance that he got in front of goal, right? And then he tried to volley it and it was like a cross. It was like the most right? embarrassing volley I've seen in yeah, my life. So, <laughs> so that that is these are the things that Sterling can do, you know, and I'm sure they know that he he's he's capable of doing such, right? So he's not that simple for them. You understand? I thought it was going to be Enzo Fernandez. But he's currently being played out of position, in my opinion. Right? So, I don't really know who it's going to be. But I just hope Pochettino figures it out. He has been making a lot of excuses. Because everybody knows that, you know, when you play football, there will be injuries. Right? Maybe more than you expected. But you cannot just say, oh, when the whole squad is back, everything is going to be fine. Right? Because... The fans are not going to take that, right? You need results now. There's nobody that is playing with a cheat sheet of your own players won't get injured, but your opponent's own will, right? So he has to, he has to, you know, he has, even from the manager, right? Like there has to be this impetus, right? We are going to win. We did not win. We had injuries, but we should have won, right? Because we're Chelsea, right? So. And that was Bournemouth. And Bournemouth, <laughs> Bournemouth could have won that game. Like, they had chances in that game. Right? Chelsea had all the possession all of that, but they were very close. Like, when it came to chances and shots on target, you know, all of that. So, like, Robert Sanchez had to make very good saves. I think, like, three very good saves in that game to keep Chelsea in that game. Right? And that's dangerous. I'm going to talk about it. I actually don't think it's fair to place that burden on Enzo Fernandez. I mean, you want someone to take the game by to take the game by the neck and score. And <laughs> Enzo is a midfielder. Enzo is a deep midfielder. So I yeah, I, but I'm saying he's someone that I believe has that technical consistency, right? That encourages. Okay, someone that did it from midfield was Pelo. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yeah. People that are in deep positions can also do that. These are people that you know that they are technically the leader in this team. Right? So they raise, they raise the level of everyone. Right? You know you're going to play with Pelo. Pelo is doing crazy things. You know? And example now, someone that influenced a player like Bruno Fernandes if you check his interviews, he talked about Di Natale when he played with Di Natale. Was he a Eugenist? 
or something like that. I think in one of those one of those Italian clubs, right? He explains to you how much of an influence Di Natale was, right? Both in his the technique that he uses to strike the ball, right? It was this guy that you know that showed him, taught him a few things. You know, that's really what happens in training. You get it's just like you know, if you have a player like Ronaldo in training that you know, he's a poacher. You you get the mm-hmm. good young players can learn. Jonathan, how do you hit the ball? Where do you hit it from? Right? Like, you know, positioning, where to run, you know, that kind of thing. So technical excellence rubs off, like on players. Right. If you're playing with very good players, it's just it kind of shows eventually, right, on you. Especially if they have the technical ability to lead in that position. When you know that, okay, I might as well make this run. Enzo is going to find me. You know, if we are under pressure, I I can keep my position in transition because I know he won't lose the ball. Right? That and this price tag fits. Do you understand? The price tag fits. So yeah. it's just it's just a matter of everything has been set up. Are you going to be able to, you know, mentally carry that burden? Because it means that even players that are older than you in that team, right, you can show them what to do, right? And then in situations like this, the coach also helps. You get, he puts you in that position for you to be able to do that. I think even players like Chiwa, Chiwa is good, very, is very good technically too. Yeah, like, I know that. Mm-hmm. So this could be, I know Rhys James for sure was able to do that. He's always able to do that for Chelsea when he plays, right? He's able to raise their game as a team because of how technically good he is. You understand? And when they don't have his James, there has to be someone to step up, right? And say, you know, I'm just going to show you guys how it's done, right? I'm going to play my crosses. They're going to be accurate, right? And that would that would hold you accountable, right? to the technical levels of this player. So I think that's very important. I think they need players with a very strong mentality. There are a lot of things that we said. I was having discussions with my brother before the season started. I told him, most of these players, bro, they're not ready to start in the Premier League. You get. And this coach is not going to trust them. I was talking about Martin and he said, bro, before Martin <laughs> plays, it's going to be hard. Like, you get, it's not good. It's not enough for you to be good in preseason. Enough for you to be, have been good in the championship, right? This is the Premier League, and you know there are a lot of pressure. You have to be technically switched on, like even in your head and in your ability, because at this point they are going to be demanding consistency from you. You get from people. You are going to be playing against people that also train as hard as you, and then you'll be getting instructions like on a daily on how you should play and what points in the game, you should do this, you should do that. So it's a lot. Like for a young player to just come in and pick up on. You get you need established players in there. Anyway, I, I think we should move on from Chelsea. Um now with United and um, now there was a problem we were covering during the weekend game against Bryce and Hovabio, which we lost three goals to nil by the way. Um Rashford did find Hoyland. Rashford found Hoyland twice. Now Hoyland missed one big chance in that game. It was at that point the game was still zero zero. Um, 
Rashford played a cross in and Hoyland could not connect. Yeah, the one he stumbled or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it was it was really brilliant moment to get in front of the defender. Yeah, that was brilliant. Big chance missed. Now Hoyland and Rashford found Hoyland again the second time. Okay. After that happened, something happened where Rashford had players had um, attracted sorry, gotten players to himself and um instead of playing the pass to a free hurl on the box, he tried to shoot the goalkeeper made a save. Now um Rashford found Hoyland again. This time it was a goal, but the ball had gone out of play. In the second half, we we're losing one nil, and Rashford was in a position to pass with his weaker foot, but he took the shot on. Now, do you think there's a problem? I mean, Rashford created, you You, you could say these margins are very thin, yeah? But um, there are times where you just have to make the right decision, especially when you're losing a game and you have a free striker in the box. Do you think it's going to be a problem, the competition between these, player, these two players? Because, by the way, I think United will play the same 4-4-2 tomorrow. And it's going to be Rashford and Hoyland up top, and they just have to find a way to make it work. So, um, and now you talked about Rashford also not pressing during the game, um, being very, very lackluster during the game. Um, do you think, like, uh, I, I don't know how to put this question, but yeah, do you think with time it's something that will improve? Where Because Hoyland has very brilliant movement, and I've noticed the game against Arsenal. Um, I think it's something that is tactically set up where um, Rashford plays to the um, is it byline now, not the train line, the line um, that 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 takes the ball to the corner. Yeah, Rashford plays there and um, you know passes the ball into Hoyland. It happened against Arsenal where Hoyland used his the right part of his body because his left footed to shield. Gabriel and tried to um, back heel the ball into the post, but Gabriel was smart enough to block it. It happened against Bryson, but this time the goal was ruled was ruled off. Do you think that's a tactical thing? That's number one. Number two, do you think the fact that Rashford did not find Hoyland in a position like that is a problem? Especially when it was basically a tapping. I think I posted a video on my status where in last year this same thing happened and Hoyland just basically slid in and scored the goal. And in this game, by the way, he also slid in when it's the pass from Rashford, but it did not come. Do you think it's a problem where that Rashford cannot find him or could not find him? Do you think it's, it's going to make it? I really don't think it's a big deal, although I think um, it's inside field should be making better decisions in that position, especially when you're losing. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the game is in the moment, right? If Rashford scored that goal, we will not be having this conversation now. Yeah, we will not. We will not. But, um, yeah. I mean, um, so, I, I think I, um, I think I watched the, an interview of Bruno Fernandez where he said, um, "Now, the way I am, I think that when you are not in the best position to score, you should pass the ball, whether or not you score. Now, if you score, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get a lot of slack. But I like, I like, I, I think I've said it here. I like numbers. Yeah, I like stats are very beautiful. I like stats, you know." That's why I'm going to pick Pep's style of play over any other style of play because if you do this thing 100 times, if you play the pass 100 times, you're going to score like 80 times. If you try to shoot with your weaker foot from that yeah. 100 times, you score like 10 times. So why not play the pass? Um, I'm, not def- I'm not even done talking because I'm not defending what Ashford did. right? But I'm just making it clear that you get... It, it's not totally unheard of, right, that you would take that shot because 
last season, if it was last season, right, I would tell him to take it 10 times out of 10 because I didn't trust anybody else in that team, right? When shooting and he was on in form, right? So, but this season, just like I said, against Arsenal, I mentioned that we have a striker now, right? You are not the striker. Do you understand? So, your first instinct should be to play to the striker. Do you understand? Because you're no longer that guy. The, the only person to me that is permitted to get the ball and try to score is Hoyland, right? And he's not even doing that. He's trying to bring in his teammates. And if you, if you, if you look at it, the best chances that we've created since, like, with Hoyland on the pitch, he always seems to be involved in the play. Yeah. Right? And that is the kind of maturity that you would expect from a 25-year-old and not the 20-year-old. And do you know right? do you know the funny thing, yeah? Hoyland created that chance for Rashford. Like Yeah, he did. The way he controlled the ball in very tight space and released Rashford. Right. And you know, like I think it's it's a question of what Ten Hag can say, right? In that situation, if he goes ahead and says, you know, you should pass more often, right? Then I think Rashford will have no choice than to you know, do better. And I, yeah, I think I also but, think is that um, they have to make it clear to the players, not just to Rashford, to everyone. Yeah, look, guys, we have a striker now because yeah, I, I noticed that yeah, when for, <laughs> I was very angry, I was very angry at Ten Hag for taking Hoyland off. Yeah, and when Ten Hag took Hoyland off, there were like four crosses, three from Regulion, one from Dalu. But who were they going to yeah. meet? Yeah, there was no one in the bus. Holland was the only person that could enter into those positions, right? So, I've done even started that game. There are a lot of things that I could I can analyze out of it. I too, I try to take my time to articulate all my thoughts about that game. But first of all, is that when you buy a seventy million plus player, right? It should be clear to everyone that this is the guy. Okay. I don't care if he's 20, if he's 19. He is the guy. He's the striker. You get, he should have that, he should have that responsibility on him. He's not, he's not an academy product, you get, that was promoted to the first team. This is someone that you looked at and you feel he is good enough to command that transfer or else he will fade into oblivion, right? The same confidence that he has shown players like Anthony, he better shows it to Hoyland because I think he's ready. Right. Yeah, I, he's ready I, to be that I also, guy. I also think he's ready. Although yeah. Ten Hag said he was not ready to play ninety minutes yet, I mean, hold on now. Yeah. I, I understand him. I understand him going off. Right. I don't think we would have won that game. Anyways, number one is because um, Dejabi just just simply did the same thing that Postecoglou did against against Ten Hag, increased the distance between the players, and that was it. That was why in that clip that you saw, I think, was it the 30 pass goal or something like yeah, that? Yeah. He you you see that United could not press. We couldn't press high because there is so much space. Like, who do you press? You get that's the same thing that Tottenham did against United. You get you make the pitch big. What they basically did is spread their center back, push their full backs high, which is the same exact thing that Tottenham did, right? And what 
annoyed me the most. In as much as I don't think we should be calling for any sacking or anything like that, right? But Ten Hag has been schooled twice this season, right? He has literally been schooled. And it's different. He, to me, uh, I understand that let's say you make a tactical switch and you don't have the players and it doesn't work, right? It's, I understand that, okay, you could still lose the game, but we can see that what you were trying was working, okay. right? But you just don't have the players. I expected that. I expected yeah. that we will go wide. Yeah. Yeah, we would have switched. Because it was killing us. On this we were basically doing cross-country on the wing. Yeah. Like, coming to our I post. I have to bring on a winger. I have been shouting for Ganacho, like, from the moment they scored this, I have been shouting for Ganacho, please bring on, or please bring on someone who can. Anyone, beat. anyone, bro, like, you get, or actually play Bruno as the right winger, because in that game, we were playing a diamond. Yeah. Right? That's the, you could have just, and, and I don't know if you remember the last podcast, podcast we recorded, where I was saying that United don't have any tactical leader on the pitch. There is nobody that scans this pitch and says, um, these people, they are dealing with us, you get, maybe we should adjust, right? Sometimes it's not always on the coach, right? Especially if you have that kind of player, that kind of player that, you know, sees and adapts the team. Now, there is a reason why you've seen all the changes that Brighton do, like almost every game, right? But mm. guess who always plays? Pascal, Pascal Gross. He always plays. He made the. He, I think he made. He made the most passes for an outfield player in that game. Yeah. Right. He is that guy. You get. He's the guy that sees everything. You know. Says, okay, guys. You know, we need to do this. He's the one the coach talks to, right? I, I need these guys to do this, and then he basically just adjusts, right? And then in that team, it feels like nobody really knows how Ten Hag wants to play. Nobody understands the principles of the game. That you cannot do a high press if the opponents are wide. Right? And that game could have at worst ended 1-0 because Brighton did not even have to play well to beat us. Like, it was just, you know... And, and something that gets me so upset is that these players... Are not tactically smart. I don't think that we have even Ericsson. I don't think he is tactically smart because why would you get the ball and immediately give it back to the opponent? You get these people are giving you a beating. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to transition so quickly? I understand that you can run. Must you have Haaland that can run? So you get, but the only transition quickly. If there is an opportunity, you get to transition. Transition is not for transitioning sake. You get, let it be that you play the quick pass. You get, because our players are not, cannot, we had Ericsson and McTominay on the sides of the diamond. You get, losing the ball is a crime, in my opinion, because these guys are not going to, you get, they're not going to be able to do that high press. You get, so why are you giving away the ball? Especially when, because, if you're playing a diamond, for example, right? The width is provided by the fullbacks. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, how will the fullbacks provide the width when you have played that pass before the fullback gets there? Do you understand? It basically means that these people can double up on you, two versus Rashford, two versus Hoyland, right? Because 
they you've not given the fullbacks the opportunity to push forward and all the times that we're able to push them forward there was there was usually a cross you get or an offensive action you get so why mm-hmm. don't you just you know progress the play we have a ball playing goalkeeper now i've mentioned so many things this is always the case with my united it's always a lot of things like you have to just sort through it and see what what really makes sense now i mentioned last season right that playing out from the back is not the reason why we're having issues playing out of the back is not just because we don't have a ball playing goalkeeper right i mentioned that this team they do not understand how to play out from the back you understand we have arguably the best goalkeeper playing out from the back that is most comfortable playing out from the back right but how well do we do it even till now you understand we don't the team does they don't understand these simple principles now brighton had jason Steele. look at how comfortable they were you get playing those vertical passes it was just basically Jason Steele gives it to Lewis Dunk or uh, Van Hecker, right? And they just play the passes. They play the passes and they play it into the spaces where these players know to already be, right? But it's as if when we are transitioning, the players don't know where to be, right? And for the first time, I did not even see Bruno Fernandes. Like, he was not even there, you know, attempting to create things. I know he played a lot of long passes, but I don't think he really created anything. He didn't he really played, create anything. Towards the end of the game, towards the end of the game, he played as the right centre-back. I <laughs> I don't want to talk, yeah, because, and uh, by the way, I, I also feel it's very negative tactics to play a 4 4 diamond and then not adapt when you have to. Exactly. You have to adapt and we could have saved that game if we adapted early, Right? Another point that I want to make is why will you come back and play players that you did not want at the club? Now, I was looking at McTominay's stats for that game. McTominay did not make any blocks. It was zero. McTominay played 19 passes in 90 minutes. Sorry, in I think he played 85 minutes, right? McTominay played 19 passes in 85 minutes. A central midfielder. 19 passes. Pascal Gross, right, played 95 passes, right? Our central midfielder, you know how many tackles he made? Two tackles. So, what did you do in that game? I, I think we've had the conversation of McTominay hiding, right? No, we have you did not play passes. You did not make tackles. So, what did you, why did you play it five minutes? Jonathan, I, I might as well have Daniel God here. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there are some things that you will see and you will say, okay, you know you know what? Just make Bruno go and play, right? Because it's as if we're 10 men. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I might as well play Daniel Go or Hannibal Medjbri. It was just like... Me, I, those... those me, I don't think... I don't think okay. if you say you don't want a player, right? You still play him ahead of some players that have, you know... Indicated interest that they really want to stay. I mean, you get. Mesbri has worked. What did they so even tell Pelestri to keep him at the club? Anyway, um, United. It's almost forty minutes. I, I, I think we should end. But 
I just just so just just before we close now, um, yeah, Mount is back training, Varan is back training, both Amram are back. I, they, I mean, um, no, is I think Amrabat as well, but they, they've not gotten into team training yet. Um, do you think this addition will help yeah. the club? Um, sadly, sadly, Wambizaga is also out, so that's a problem. That's one. Then, two, um, do you feel that anybody's minutes will now be limited? Now that we have we have three midfielders coming back, um, there was talk at the start of the season that Ericsson will have limited minutes, and um, he's played because of injuries, I think. Um, there was there's also the McTominay issue. Do you think these two players are going to become French players when everyone returns? I think Ericsson has has a role to play, right? But McTominay should not be used, right? And you can't really blame the player because there were there was talk of that the move collapsed also because the the manager's rating of the player you get. No, no, not really. Yeah, I, I, I mean, um, in um, West Ham, West Ham came with thirty million. United said no, you don't meet our valuation. Now, Fulham were willing to buy McTominay, but the player rejected the move. Okay, I think maybe later. I think towards the end of transfer window, he became like sorry, the club were now willing to sell him, right? But I think they should have sold him earlier because thirty million is good money. Right, but at this point, this is where Ten Hag like I don't like when he is selectively ruthless. Do you understand me? Mm-hmm. You you cannot be selectively ruthless, right? You have to be ruthless because I'm sure there are a lot of players in that on that bench in that dressing room that will just be saying, you know, how come McTominay gets to play, right? That kind of thing and. You know, they look at certain players and then they say, how come these people get to play? Now, to make a final point before we close, right? Have you noticed the fact that the two players that were the most active, the most mobile, the most sharp, they did not do preseason with Man United? Who were our best players in against Brighton? Sergio Regulion. And who? And um, I don't know if it was the second best, to be honest. <laughs> Hoyland, basically. At <laughs> least for the minutes that he played. He looked, I, even if he no, was not I very mean, good, I, he was very active. I think it right? was. I actually think that it was Regulion and Rashford, actually. Now, Hoyland, what I'm talking about is fitness. We saw the problem with um, Rashford not stepping up to press his man. But Hoyland was doing that, right? You could see his actions that he had more to... Like, there was energy in him to play, right? Now, if you look across the squad, there is either fitness issue or uh, conditioning issue, right? Lissandro Martinez, finally, like, he has done preceding with Man United and joined the club. All of a sudden... He now looks bad. Casemiro, precision with Man United, all of a sudden, he now looks like he doesn't have the legs anymore, right? Does that not tell you that something is wrong with the club? Like, and maybe they talk about facilities, right? 
has to be even amplified ahead of coaching and a lot of things because the players that train with Man United will look a mile off other players. More, right? I, I, I think it's more about personnel than facilities, yeah? Um, now, there are strength and conditioning coaches at the club. There are fitness coaches at the club. Um, I know that um, usually, like in Nigeria, I'm, I'm a physical therapist student in Nigeria, and there's a lot of stuff that we don't have, but we improvise, and results show. Yeah. So you can actually work with facilities that are not so good. I think it's more on the personnel than the facilities. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true, though. That's true, but you know that it also affects players when they are used to, you know, being trained at a particular level, you get, and, you know, they are no longer training at that level, you get. You might not get the same results that you you were previously getting from the player, right? Especially not, not that they are taking a rest, right? But they are consistently training at a lower level than they are used to, right? Because it can't just be just coincidence. You get that regulion that when last they even play for Tottenham, you get is looking, you know, more active than our players that have been, you know, they played preseason and all of that. Regulion was frozen out at Tottenham, right? And yeah, he was a really sharp. Yeah, was it severe? Yeah, severe. Was he sold to Sevilla? No, he was loaned to Sevilla. Yeah, I'm saying, but he was back at Tottenham for preseason. Right? So, but I'm just saying generally, like, something is wrong somewhere. Right? And I really don't know if Ten Hag can fix it. Right? Because it's the same second season syndrome that has just existed at United for a very long time. Right? It's either the second season or the third season. And everything just starts falling apart. And now you're seeing leaks that this person is not doing well. It's Ten Hag that bought him. That the boards were not involved. You get that <laughs> kind of thing. They're already painting him black. And there are people in our fan base, you get that, don't even want him. You get in the first place. And they're just writing on that news and all of that. But I'm just saying, I think before we even change another coach, we should be changing owners. Right? Then if the new owners don't want him, then fine. Right, but I think the main step is to change ownership, and then you know have a proper structure and take some decisions out of Ten Hag's hands. Anyway, I think that's all. That's all. We're out of time. Um, predictions: United versus Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Oof. I think we are going to lose that game. I think we are going to lose that game. I know that we can we can have a response, but I cannot in good conscience say that United will win that game. <laughs> my my because Bayern, not because Bayern my... are very good, but because I feel like United are not ready to make that response. Like I think you we might see a Hoyland debut goal, right? But I don't think United as a team is ready to beat a team like Bayern. You get even if we start very well, just like we started in some games. I don't think we can play well for 90 minutes. You understand? Arsenal versus PSV. Uh, Arsenal is going to beat PSV now. For sure. (laughs) I think those are the key fixtures. And thank you for listening. Um, 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah, bye.